we're back as mini episode number two for National Dairy Goat Awareness Week. And we are going to answer two questions that are kind of related. Maybe not as well related as the first mini episode. But here we go. Uh, question is, what are the best resources for getting started with hobby dairy goat farming? Um, cooperative extension. Sure. I mean, I, we learned from a guru. I think a lot of people. Like goat guru. Yeah. I think a lot of people tend to find a mentor, a goat mentor. that is local to them and maybe um, that they buy animals from. And hopefully that is like a, um, a person of integrity. Yeah. As far as the health of their animals in particular Um, and learn from that person and, uh, and go from there. Yeah. I would try to learn as much as you can of what it's going to take to, Deal with the kids, deal with birthing, birth some goats with this person before you get that goat bred, you know, work in a program with her and, or whoever the other farmer is. And I do think it's like a thing that can be very good to do experiential learning. Yeah. Uh, Spend some time with a dairy um, of a similar size that you think you would like to be making or working on because, and that's important too. Like the size of the dairy is important. Have um, some goals before you start. You think? I don't know. I mean, we didn't, I mean, okay. So I guess fair enough. At some point when we started doing this whole thing, we did make like a business plan and then like, don't get carried away and start keeping all your does right off the bat. You can't do it. What are you talking? Like your dough, you're like your dough kids. Like, are you, are we totally did that? I mean, no, we, yes, we did. We totally did. Well, I guess we've been doing it for a long time, huh? Yeah, this is this is ten years now. Yeah. Um, but we did have like one of our first years. We only had like two doe kids, and it was a buck year, and we had like twelve bucks and two does. So that's that's luck of the draw. But the, this is again going off on a tangent. Like good resources for um for dairy goat stuff. Um. People have asked me before too, like, oh, what's a good book for dairy goat stuff? And I honestly, there's not one out there that I really like, um, which is unfortunate. And I say that someday maybe I'll write a book and hopefully I'll like that book and then I can recommend that book. But um, lots of hands on learning. Yeah. Like learning from the mentor and then kind of making your own twists on it to make it better or try to see improvements but first off like how do you learn from it is yeah just figure out what cheese is being made locally in your area and then ask if there's some poop to be shoveled and then go Mm -hmm. and shovel some poop and get your foot in the door and then see how crazy their life is and then Mm -hmm. ask for to buy a goat and so on and so forth and 
Um, Learn from them. This podcast <clears throat> is a good resource. Yeah, this, for yeah for dare, for goat keeping. Um, yeah, shoot me an email at goatdoccara at gmail dot com and let me know more, like specifically what you would like to know about. Um, because there's I have a lot of clients that keep goats as pets, and I have a lot of clients that keep goats to show um i have fewer clients that actually keep goats either as a source of food for themselves or as a commercial dairy no i'm i'm far and few between up here yeah and we're going to talk about that there's a good question about the main dairy industry that we're going to answer not in this one state of maine's really big Things are spread apart, so there's it's not a lot of. I mean, there is a lot of like Maine Cheese Guild. There's like eighty three dairies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's more than that now, but yeah, save that for another one. We're gonna talk about that in a second. Um, so yeah, best best resources. Mm, I wish I had a list. I should start compiling a list. Um, but really there's nothing that I really like. Find someone whose goats look good and you feel like they have ethical practices for raising and breeding animals. Um, and ha- they have healthy animals as far as like biosecurity and, uh, see what they do and listen to my podcast. <laughs> um, cause I'm biased. Um, and other question for the next five minutes is you're probably going to take more of this one, Devin, because it is, I'm new to dairy goats. What is your routine for cleaning udders before milking? I don't do much milking these days. Well, we've done everything. Yep. We've tried everything. We've tried a lot of things. Tried every tea dip, every well, probably not every single one, but no, we've no. tried we've tried a lot. We've used a lot of different products. Um, when we first started doing this, I did a lot of the milking when we were milking by hand, and um, we made every time we milked, we made like homemade pre pre milking dip that our dairy inspector at the time wanted us to make, which was um, Clorox bleach. And like a drop of Dawn dish soap. It was like, it's like dilute Clorox bleach, not straight Clorox bleach. Yeah, it was like a, we would mix it in a gallon and it would be like. Oh, not no, not even. We'd mix it in like the little stri- dip cups because oh. the. Uh, so, yeah. Because the chlorine would evaporate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, but that was when we were only milking like six or eight goats by hand. Yeah. And if you can milk goats by hand, milk like physically, I would do it for as long as you can because that's the only way you're going to keep really good, clean udders and really good, clean milk is there's a lot more there's a lot more moving parts involved with machine milking there's a lot more places for 
error and there's places for stuff to get stuck up. There's a lot more stuff to clean. <clears throat> um, and then the, it, like there's milk residue some in the inflators. And if anyone has a high cell count and you put that on the next goat in line, you know, you could infect that other goat with something with mastitis and yep. there it goes. It's down the line. Everybody's going to have a, high somatic cell count on their left side all the way down because this goat had it. So, you know, it's, if you can milk by hand, I would milk by hand for as long as you can. I think we milked 10 by hand mm-hmm. for like four years before we went to a machine into a bigger parlor into milking anything over 10 twice a day. I couldn't do physically it just hurt too much. But and it's also like the return on like your time invested, like because the, all the milking stuff you have to clean, and that's the part that I hate. Um, I would rather when like when we start kidding in the spring, when we hit, we're at like six or eight does, I'll go out there and hand milk them while Devin will machine milk them because I hate cleaning the milking stuff, and he doesn't mind it. Yeah, I have to have a maximum two to turn on the machine. Like I'll milk by hand like two to three goats, but the goats that I have are such high producers that it'll be out there for a half an hour, 40 minutes just to milk three goats. So mm-hmm. can't have that when I have, they each give me triplets or quads and they all need milk. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, but like we've done fight back in the cans. Yeah, so that's what we used to use for a post when we were hand milking and using the homemade pre dip, worked really well. We used Fight Back, which is the aerosolized chlorhexidine. But spray. once again, it's really harmful to the environment. I think because you have all that waste, and I can't. If you have like a few goats, and the can's gonna last you a month, then get a can. But if you're gonna go through a can every week, no, you need to be mixing iodine. It's like, yeah, you or get into- like some sort of chlorohex or something like you can't don't do that to the environment. So economy of scale. Yeah. Like it's, it's also more expensive. If you're, if you're milking more than, I mean, for us, when we were milking just two goats, we were like, Oh my God, what are we going to do with all this milk? So that's why we started this whole dairy thing. But, um, if, if, if you're milking more goats, generally you're probably running some kind of business. So like economy of scale and um, like prices of things are, you know, important. Yeah. So now we're using the best thing I've ever had. And I've tried like two part wicked expensive teat dip systems that had lanolin base and they're like make a shell over the teat. I've tried them all. They're, Really We've, nice, There's some really nice ones out there. Like, but this one is the best, I think, uh, so far because my somatic cell count has been continually staying low, and like I'm well, really other, happy with the utter condition. Yeah, that's the, that's been the big issue for us. I think is utter condition and using different dips, um, pre and post dips, is that they would really like chlorhexidine dries it out in my experience as a post dip it, maybe it's just the products that we've used um dries it right out it's, gets we get a lot of chapped udders 
Um, iodine's okay. Iodine seems to, was my go-to for years. Um, but I do, I worry more in the iodine in the, and then the chlorhexidine about, uh, persistent organisms right. and those things. So you I would have switch to, off and on. Yeah. And you really got to like scrub out your dip cups and things like that. Um, and, uh, the product we're using now is a newer product. That we use as a pre and a post dip. Yeah, I use it all around. And it's uh, Effercept. Um, and I want to say it's like hypochlorous. Yes, it's hypochloric. And it's it comes in a tablet like Alka-Seltzer. And there's no... It's fail-safe system, so you know you're persistent on your parts per million on disinfectant, kills on contact... And it, the, when you mix it, you have... <laughs> we should have them seven sponsor to t- us. Seven to ten days on a mix. So yeah. It's, it's really, it really, I've been very happy with it. I have a few fair-skinned goats that it doesn't matter what you use. They're going to need bag bomb every three days. And, you know, um, that's just the way it goes. But, yeah, I usually do bag bomb to everyone at least once a week. Um, for like the the day, one day, once a week, they get morning milking, they'll get bag bombed and then evening milking and that keeps everything usually nice and soft. And then I dip over, over the top of the bag bomb that I would put on their teats. Um, one thing to say about, uh, like milking procedure to, for, oh, milking procedures, totally. So cleaning the udder and cleaning pre and cleaning post is part of udder health. But another important part of udder health and milking is like the procedure, the routine of things. And this also matters more if you're hand milking versus machine milking. So if you're machine milking, it matters more because you're trying to keep the inside of that milk inflation as clean as possible. So when we switched to milking on a machine, this was a, a departure. And since Devin does most of the milking, there's been a couple times where I've been kind of a nag about it. <laughs> um, but the the correct um, like procedure, like order of operations for machine milking and cleaning before machine milking is like if you come in and some of this applies more to cows than to goats because like cows might come into the parlor with dirty udders and you need to like clean off. You need to the, wash the poop. If there's poop or whatever, you got to clean it off because your your sanitizing dip isn't going to sanitize poop if it's stuck on the udder. Mm-hmm. So you, that it tends to be less of an issue for goats because they tend to be cleaner than cows. Yeah. <clears throat> but then the next thing you d- do um, is strip. So you should strip the four milk, which is like the milk that's sitting in the teat cistern um, into a dip into a strip cup yeah um, if there's any nasty bits in there or whatever usually falls to the mm-hmm. bottom so usually and yeah strip that out first so it doesn't go into your milk to be made into cheese or human consumption mm-hmm. so that's a that's a way to like monitor milk quality and um then uh, so you should be stripping it into a cup with like a little filter or something like that. You can see if there's any blood, if there's any clots, if there's any abnormal color. 
and then assuming it's fine. So you strip and then you dip with your sanitizing dip, whatever it is, and uh, wipe with a clean paper towel or um, a lot of big commercial dairies use like microfiber multi-use towels that are then laundered which is kind of nice and we're looking at switching to that rather than paper towels yeah no more paper um and then you attach the milking machine and the important part is that between dipping and wiping with something clean single use whether it's paper or microfiber um and then you attach the inflator that your hand doesn't touch the teat and nothing else touches the teat in between because there's bacteria on everything else. And that's super hard to do if, you know, teat placement is out by their legs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like for me, I put like three goats on my stand and it's hard to keep their legs spread apart. You know, so I'm usually trying to wipe and then put the inflators on as quickly as possible Wipe, put the inflators on as quickly as possible, move on down the line. And if their teats are facing down and are kind of fairly close together, then they're not going to touch their hairy legs or their legs at all, and then you don't really have to worry about it, Mm -hmm. which is why udder and teat placement is so important when you're actually commercially milking and making a living off these goats and your milk test comes back, you need it to look good. So... Um, one other important thing about that whole strip, dip, wipe, milk, uh, procedure is knowing what product you're using for dipping and making sure that you have adequate contact time to yes, kill whatever that's really organisms. important. And that's why like multi, like cows or goats, like multi animal, um, parlors are set up the way they're set up because like most dips need, 30 seconds of contact time. So if you have six goats in a row and you strip and dip, strip and dip, strip and dip, go down the line. By the time you get to the sixth one, the first one has had contact time for 30 seconds and you can wipe and put on the claw. And you know, everything's dead. Yeah. You have had your adequate contact. time. So I mean, with the effercept, it's on contact and you know, so on contact to 10 seconds. So that's one of the quickest ones. On the market. And, you know, I I really do think it's working, like, that quick, really. I really do. Because, okay. I mean, our cell can't... Hypo, like, hypochlorous acid is what it is. Yeah. Um, don't breathe vapors. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've been happy with that product. Um, and then post-milking... You always post dip too and know your product and you can like the, the, the product we're using right now is a pre and a post dip. Um, lot, there's a few products that are pre and post, but make sure the post dips that are dyed with lanolin in them are really nice. Those work really well. And then you can see that you're getting good contact on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I would say that may be a thing about the Effersup that is is, is lacking. Yeah. Is that like a lot of the iodine dips and the they're chlor- dyed. the chlorhexidine dips. Well, I mean, they're just colored. Too. Right. Like iodine is just brown. Mm-hmm. So you can really see that you have good coverage of the teeth. Yeah, it's hard when you have black oats. You can't really tell what's going on. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um, I Utter health's really important to me. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't done an episode about like, it's very important. Utter health to me. in I'm general. I'm really crazy about it. And I have 
you know, older ladies that have been milking for eight years and mm-hmm. their otters look like they're second time fresh and third time freshening. And it's because you take good care of them and you feel them up and you touch them and make sure they're, you know, not a hard spot and test CMT every week on everything, you know, don't be like, oh, I don't see anything. Just test it. it takes a second. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if something comes up, you mint cream it. Japanese mint cream and yeah, you know, there's a, and there's there's a, a lot whole to bunch talk of stuff. about with utter health, and but it's uh, really important to me. Yeah, it's where my money comes from. <laughs> it's what pays the bills. Yeah. Um. So we're getting to kind of long mini episode length territory. Oh, I'm yeah. gonna cut us off. Okay, and I'll do like a full episode on utter health at some point, and maybe you want to talk with on that episode too about utter health all right bye bye for now